Longer podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. To say that women have changed the landscape of American artisan cheese is an understatement. Without the back-to-lander ladies of the 70s, goat cheese may not have taken hold as strongly, and the term chev might not have ended up a household word. While Mary Casella didn't focus entirely on U.S. producers in her research topic for the Daphne Cyprus Research Award, she did dig deep into the history of women in cheese. Through that lens, she gave a presentation at the American Cheese Society Conference in Portland, Oregon, where she recounted the stories of three different women and how that history still plays out in their lives today. We chat about that research and where she sees it heading in the future. Hi, I'm Mary Casella. I was last spring's first recipient of the Daphne Zethos Research Award. I recently presented my past year of research um, at the past ACS, and I look forward to keep talking about women and dairy, and uh, I think it's going to be lifelong work for me. Um, And yeah, so I found cheese really, I just wanted to... I reached a point where I was like, oh, I want to work in food. And I didn't know in what capacity I had done social media. And I was like, oh, it's definitely not for me. And then it just so happened that um, I live near Campbell Cheese and Grocery, uh, now just Campbell and Co owned by uh, Alana and Aaron Campbell. And they were looking for cheesemongers. And I said, I don't really know anything about cheese, but I'm happy to learn. And yeah, they gave me the opportunity and I mean, it wasn't, wasn't long before I realized that I really enjoyed learning about cheese, uh, you know, obviously not just eating it, but um, my school background is in photography and art history, and I've always enjoyed um, food history a lot. Um, I had been, when I started working in cheese, I had also been volunteering at the Museum of Food and Drink, MOFAD, and I mean, I think I'm sure as many listeners know, cheese is just a rich with history and culture. And I think that's what really hooked me. Um, so yeah, I stayed at Campbell's for all of my formative cheese years and they gave me a lot of opportunities to learn and branch out. And now I've worked on, you know, the retail side, the distribution side, um, affinage working at crown finish, um, until we closed this past May. And now I'm back at the retail side, um, leading the counter at a new project called the Tin Building in, um, at the Seaport in Manhattan, um, which I'm excited about. It's been a lot of work so far, but I have uh, high hopes for it. Yeah, it's always fun setting up a new counter. Yeah, a lot of, ki- <laughs> a lot of kinks to work out, but um, I'm, I'm, we're, our selection is, is getting better. It's getting better. So I'm pretty excited to have the opportunity to shape that, yeah. That's cool. Cause I don't really know a whole lot about your history. And, um, I was fortunate one year when I visited New York to go with jewel to a bunch of her, um, her different client, you know, check-ins or whatever. Yeah. And I went to Campbell cheese and it was, 
it was like one of those aha moments of like, oh my gosh, if I ever opened a shop, this is exactly what I would want. <laughs> like, yeah, it's still, whenever I tell people when they're going to New York, I'm like, you gotta stop by Campbell. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah. I, I mean, I had just a great experience there. I like not only met actually some of my closest friends now, but um, it just, yeah, it really just fostered. It was the right environment to foster like the ability to learn and grow. Um, and so many of like my quiet mornings there, just like setting up the case. I was like, oh, this is what I love. And I love talking to people about cheese. And that's kind of like, I needed a little break from retail and I am back in retail now. And it's like definitely like larger scale and I'm still excited about it. But also like if I were to ever have a shop of my own, it's definitely going to be like on that more intimate scale, um, like Campbell's where I got my start. Yeah. It felt, it just feels very like rooted in the community. Like it's totally right there on the corner and like just the selection. I was just really like, from the cheese section, but also just the grab and go stuff. I was like, this is like, so New York that there's just little tubs of stuff. That's just enough for like one or two people and just people picking up quick stuff, but it didn't seem like, you know, a deli section at like a grocery store or something. It just felt very intimate. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I mean, having, having regulars and people, I actually get to like know their name and what they like is kind of my favorite part about cheese mongering. Yeah. 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 Um, so since I sadly missed your presentation at ACS, um, can you give us a brief, brief synopsis of like, um, what, what you were researching and kind of, um, what moved you to dig deeper into this topic? Yeah. So my session title, uh, was called women in dairy, the, uh, history and legacy of women in dairy. Uh, sorry. <laughs> wow. Forgetting my own <laughs> session title name. <laughs> it was, um, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, dairy made the history and legacy of women in dairy. And yeah. So my proposal that I received the grant from the DZTE was on the history of women in dairy. And so, you know, big picture grand scheme. I see this, you know, everything from cheesemakers, farmers to like scientists and shop owners, but, um, given time and scale, um, my presentation at ACS really focused on the stories of, uh, three women I got to actually meet, um, and talk to and learn about their experience and then kind of wove in a bit more history, revolving around the work women have done in dairy um, because it is something that pretty much stems from you know the beginning of humans starting to work with ruminants and and make cheese and the other driving force behind my talk was just how women's work often goes underappreciated and unnoticed and a big tie to that is kind of this idea that women's work in the home is not really work. And especially when we're talking about early cheese making and early dairy farming, a lot of that work cheese making was done right alongside raising the family and doing other work in the home. Um, And, you know, I think that's just one aspect that like, especially hit hard with me, this like, unnoticed aspect of women in this industry. And of course there are plenty of women whose names, like, you know, we all know and have really 
just like raised the bar for us all. Um, but I really wanted to highlight lesser known individuals who had equally interesting stories to share. Um, and so, uh, yeah, my ACS presentation, I spoke about, um, Nancy Richards, who uh, is in the Finger Lakes region. And I actually met her when I was in college uh, <laughs> before, long before I knew that I would work in cheese. Um, and then uh, this woman called uh, uh, Dona Rosa, who I met at a recent trip to Oaxaca. And, oh my God, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I, I have uh, brain fog today. Um, Oh my happens. God, why nonchalant cheese? Why can I not think of her name? She's so fantastic. I had the best, I had such a great time. Um, oh my gosh, this is really driving me crazy. I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. I'm so <laughs> I, embarrassed. It happens to me literally constantly. So um, I totally And I understand. found her because she uh, lives and makes cheese very near where I grew up. And I, um, when... I was a kid, you know, I was surrounded by dairy farms, but didn't know anything about um, cheese making. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to focus on their stories and, and they so graciously gave me their time to talk about what they do and how they found this path. And I, you know, I have this voice and I have this platform that I hope to continue doing that with this work. And, um, you know, when I first set out on my research, I presented the board with this you know, really long outline of all the topics that I wanted to hit. And um, I think it might've been David <laughs> was one of the first to, to give the advice that I may want to pare this down given the time limit that I had of, you know, a year goes by really quickly. Um, so I still have a lot that I am interested in learning about. There's still so many more women who I want to speak to, um, you know, just a couple of the facets that I, I didn't get to talk about in this presentation is just like from kind of my background of like history and like the representation of women in dairy in like in literature in art and advertisement and um you know there's just and and it seems like a never-ending you know path to talking about women in this work uh which keeps me excited yeah, I think that's kind of the joy of cheese and what keeps a lot of us really engaged is that like we can pick a lane and just kind of keep digging deeper and deeper just even within that one little niche and still yeah. learn so much. Yeah, I mean, I I really, I truly had to, I, I reached a point where I had to stop like looking for more information because I was like, oh, wow, there is actually a lot out here. And, you know, that was another kind of impetus for my project is um, there didn't seem to be one cohesive source that spoke to the work of women in dairy. It was always just kind of like a little expert excerpt um, or like, uh, you know, small story about like, either this particular woman or like, you know, a brief aside of women in dairy and nothing um, that kind of spanned the history and the scope that I was looking for. Because um, another aspect of this work that I want to do is like go outside the realms of uh, America and the greater European cheese producing countries. And, um, you know, because funny enough, my 
interest in photography. I feel like I, I follow photographers and then I see them photographing in these other parts of the world and there's women, you know, making, um, you know, cheese in the mountains of Iran or like somewhere in South America or Mongolia, you know, it's, it's a, a global aspect that like women have some kind of dairy work um, tied to their communities and their culture that I think is just uh, beautiful and fantastic. And, you know, then it is like, you can get into the whole <laughs> rabbit hole of like women are, you know, not all women are mothers and that is fine, but you know, you get into the whole like biological aspect of it. And that's a whole other, like, I feel like that's a whole other thing in itself. Um, that is so fascinating. Yeah. Well, I do think it's interesting because I, now that I think about it and it makes sense, but when you read any sort of cheese book, there's always like a small little paragraph or a little note that's like, you know, uh, making cheese was the wife's job in the household until the industrial revolution or whatever. Exactly. And it became a man's job, but much yeah. like chefs or cooks or whatever, same deal where it's like, it was a woman's totally. job in the household until men came in and then it's like. Because now, I mean, Wisconsin has all of these master cheesemakers and there's right. really only like one or two women. And there are yeah. a lot of women across the country making cheese, but ultimately yeah. it's. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad because I would have forgotten to like talk about that because I think that was also like one of these like maddening things coming across this work and <laughs> just like sitting at home, just like fuming over this. And yeah, it's kind of like what, like you said, once the industrial revolution happened and we like as human beings uh, had a greater understanding of, of science, um, you know, men came in and applied all this new knowledge, but women weren't necessarily given access to this knowledge. Um, you know, like a lot of agricultural um, institutions were established and the, um, the entry rate for men was much higher than for women. And yeah, we were kind of just mind for this information that had been passed down from generation to generation of women and kind of like, oh, well, you, you know, you shouldn't be testing the milk this way or setting your curd that way, uh, but not given the tools or knowledge to use these other practices, which, you know, in some cases were actually like, you know, guaranteed a like more consistent make and yada, yada, but just the fact that like, oh, we're going to use the information that you have, but then we're not going to really give you too much credit or let you grow in the same way that we're going to grow. And, and another thing kind of speaking to the like work done in the home and work done outside of the home is like placing value on it. And it was once that men saw dairy and cheese making as an actual viable commodity is that they really took an interest in it. It wasn't just like women's little like side gig to bring a little bit of extra income into the home. It's like, oh no, this is a legitimate source of income. And we like, there's a marketplace for this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I could see that being incredibly infuriating to read through. And it's, you know, the history of our country too, just to take information from people and put it in other people's hands, but not totally. actually let them have it, have yeah. any of the new information. So yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a whole other rabbit hole there too. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, were there any like surprising outcomes or topics between like your vision and what the final presentation kind of came out to? Like, was there anything that stood out that was just like, wow, I wasn't expecting that? I think ultimately, and perhaps this isn't that exciting of an outcome. And I do think it's definitely for the best that it ended up this way. And so, because I was doing all this research and finding a lot of information, I, I kind of became consumed with all of the history that was out there. And, you know, my first couple attempts at putting um, my presentation together, I was just so engrossed in the history. And I was like, oh my God, I want everybody, like, this is so fascinating. I want everyone to know this. And thank, I'm so thankful for the DZT board for their like guidance and be like, yeah, this is great. But like, you know, I somehow lost sight of the conversations I was having. And so they kind of like <laughs> reined me in and they're like, all right, let's go back to like, what is the reason you're here for? And the reason I'm here is to talk about the women who are doing this work. So like, I think I initially envisioned sharing a lot of the history in my presentation and still like bolstering that with the women's stories. And it kind of like reversed where like, no, I'm telling these stories and I'm weaving in a little bit of history. And, you know, I do in the, in the long and see myself like hopefully writing a book and, you know, that's where I can maybe get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty. But another thing that I'm still <laughs> working on is compiling sources for other people. So I don't have to just like regurgitate information that everyone can go read and then form their own opinion on. Um, I like at, with my presentation, I handed out a little bibliography of just like some of the more interesting reads that I found. And um, so, yeah, like not the most interesting surprise, but it was surprising to me. I was like, oh yeah, that I, this history was very like foundational to being able to speak to the women that I spoke to and helped me navigate my conversations with them. But ultimately, you know, the history is, is there in other people, I can help them show the places that they can find it, but I'm better serving everyone by telling stories that like, aren't already written down, I think. Yeah. I think that that's a huge thing and it might not be the most exciting, but I've personally, as an extrovert, connecting with people <laughs> is what I am most excited about. Yeah. So, um, and this is why I'm doing what I do now is because yeah. I enjoy talking to people yeah. about where they are and what's going yeah. on. So yeah. I love that, that you yeah. had to make that connection there. Of it's funny. Maybe I'm a little bit of an introvert and <laughs> maybe that's a little, well, I definitely am a, a little more of an introvert. Um, and yeah, even like asking women to, um, uh, speak to them, you know, I've been a little bashful for, for silly, like, you know, self-conscious reasons. And then after every conversation, I was like, wait, that was amazing. Like, uh, and just like go stepping away. So like reinvigorated and like excited, uh, to keep doing the work. Cause I think, you know, when the reason we love talking about cheese, you know, when you love talking about something, you want to share that with other people and, um, we all know you have to love this job to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and I think that with any, um, 
I don't know. Connection is just such a huge thing for me that that's what invigorates me. But when you spend a lot of time by yourself, it can be easy to be like, oh, nobody else really cares about this stuff because you get in your own head. But then when you actually like share that stuff and that you can share your excitement about it too, and then you can see people's faces, like get excited about it also. And you're like, oh, okay, here's where we're at. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like my, um, so speaking of like being an introvert and, you know, a little shy, you know, I was a little apprehensive about like how my presentation was going to go. It had been a really long time since I spoke to a room full of people and, um, you know, I'm happy to say that I like, I think I went into it really calmly because I was so, I was so excited to finally be doing it, to be sharing. And I had already just heard a a lot of like really nice, kind, encouraging words from everyone. And then, you know, the response afterwards was really great, which means a lot to me. Um, you know, because I just, I feel so lucky to have been given this opportunity that I just want to make sure that like, I'm, I'm doing my best with it. Yeah. I only heard really good (laughs) stuff about it to the point where I was like, Oh, I missed it. I had something else to do. I was so mad about that. But at the same time, you know, ACS is just like, you get pulled in a thousand different directions constantly. So it's just how it is. Totally. Yeah. Um, how has this affected the work that you do now in your day to day? And like, do you think that there's anything that you learn that will change how you, how you will use this in your work going forward? Yeah, I, you know, um, definitely as in like, I, in terms of like lifelong work, I really like, I really think this is going to be a lifelong you know, journey and passion for me to dedicate what time I can, hopefully, you know, I'll reach a point where I can dedicate more time to it. Um, and I really, I guess I also just hope that I can give others the, the same opportunity that I've been given, you know, maybe not necessarily in the form of a grant, but just kind of whether that's like be a mentor, offer guidance, offer like access to information, teach in any way, like, and continue to talk. I really hope that I continue to have those opportunities and, um, you know, being back in retail side right now in this kind of like larger environment, while I am excited to be doing the work that I'm doing right now, um, it's ultimately like, I don't know that it's the channel for me in the long run. Um, but you know, I'm definitely always, (laughs) I'm always happy to work with other women. Um, I think that in that, I think that was another like driving force for this research is I've just always, um, had the most wonderful experience working with other women and, you know, not to have worked with some great guys too, (laughs) but, um, I prefer working with women, you know, right now I have two guys, uh, behind the counter with me and I'm not going to lie, uh, at crown finish, we were all female staff and just like, you know, it, it's easier, (laughs) um, in my opinion, but you know, I'm not, uh, so bold to make some kind of like generalized sweeping statement. Um, but that's, yeah, I just, I kind of just hope to be able to continue doing my own personal work within this research of women in dairy and then sharing that in whatever way that I can with others, you know, in, yeah, again, like also not just 
women, everyone. I want to teach everyone about all of this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very important for men to know about the history of women and dairy also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the, um, I was very lucky to go to bra this past, uh, fall for, uh, so food cheese. And, um, I went very, uh, on a quick decision. Uh, I had never been to bra before and I always wanted to go. And then someone actually DM'd me on Instagram and she was like, Oh, I don't know if you know this, but there is going to be a panel of women cheesemakers there. And I was like, well, I have to, oh my God, like I have to go. And yeah, maybe what, it was definitely a good decision. It was a very rushed decision. And I'm so happy that I went. And that was a really eye-opening experience for me because I think, you know, sometimes I can get a little like caught up in just being like so happy and excited to uh, see women being given like these opportunities and um, there were definitely more women at that talk than there were men. And, uh, after that discussion, like I asked a couple of questions and my best ability and <laughs> not in Italian, but they had a translator. And, and then, you know, even just from like going to that presentation, I think I met like three or four other women in it. Like, you know, the community is so incredible. And, um, one of them said to me, and I, I'm so thankful she like brought this up because it is this kind of thing that across industries, I think women, it always has to be like women in tech, women in like, you know, women, it not just like scientists. <laughs> There's always that like, um, that qualifier of being a woman. And unfortunately, like until there is a like level playing field for everyone, I feel like there is always gonna have to be that like qualifier. And this one woman who I met, she was like, you know, why can't we just be cheesemaker? Like, yes, it's great that this panel is happening, but like, I'm just a cheesemaker. Like, yes, I am a woman, but I'm also a cheesemaker. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an interesting aspect of like, you know, you want to <laughs> keep like giving, like maybe one day we don't have to have a panel of only women cheesemakers because that's not considered um, specifically unique or something. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, in your research, did you come across any sort of, um, topics surrounding other like marginalized genders or other marginalized identities that, um, can you speak to any of that of like how that kind of runs alongside of it, I guess. Sure. Sure. In my research, not like things I have read, not as Especially something that I was, um, but I, something that I was very conscious of personally, uh, was making sure that like, okay, yeah, I'm not making this about like motherhood and, uh, the biology exclusively because yes, that is a factor, but that's only one factor. So trying to keep that in focus was really important to me. And then another, um, aspect is in America, looking, trying to find an American history, which I still want to do a lot deeper digging is, um, you know, black farmers and black dairy maids. And there were a few accounts where you hear, uh, like in, like, especially in like Rhode Island, um, and New York and Pennsylvania were some of the bigger parts where you, you see, um, black 
dairymaids, um, but nothing to the extent that I had hoped to find. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if I had the like right resources or was looking in the right place, you know, even just trying to like think of different like avenues of like, how do I go about finding this information of like, um, I even tried like, you know, looking at like traditional Southern recipes, you know, thinking about like buttermilk and like other kind of like recipes that are prevalent in Southern cooking. And if I could find any like channels that way, um, but that's still something that I'm uh, very interested in because actually in like in certain parts of um, certain countries in Africa, there is dairy culture and like you, you know, it's not considered uh you know, if you've read Kinstead, which I'm sure a lot of you have, like, you know, that's not one of the, the big dairy producers in, in the global scheme. And, um, and then back to, you know, like, um, gender and like, uh, you know, uh, other communities, that's still something that I, you know, I really want to make sure that I'm speaking to others out there um, to get their perspective I unfortunately just like, I haven't had the opportunity, but that's certainly something that I want to make sure I include in this. Cause I, I do think it's important um, because, you know, women aren't the only, like they're within marginalized communities, you know, women are only one strata of that. However you, you know, define and perceive yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's a, that's like a whole another big intersection yeah of yeah many different pieces yeah in there so yeah um so what's next for you and like where where do you see this going like in the immediate future because you said that you kind of wanted to hopefully write a book eventually but what's yeah. coming up <clears throat> soon ish I guess yeah well so um First soon up, it hasn't been announced yet, um, but I will be giving a virtual presentation via Zoom for uh, the Daphne Zephos teaching endowment. That'll be at the end of September. We haven't announced yet, but I believe it'll be the 26th, but I'm sure we'll get all those details out there. Um, so that's first up. And, and um, this presentation will be different than my ACS one, probably still like some of the same information, but a little different um layout of it and um adding a little more like kind of q a in there as well um so that's like immediate immediate and <clears throat> actually had like a, a whirlwind of of travel and everything after acs and i'm still catching my breath a little bit and with a new job um so after my dz presentation in September and they have to like you know take a little <laughs> a little pause um but I think I just kind of before like I don't want to lose momentum I think I'm gonna start uh reaching out again and just trying to gather more stories that I can share on you know whether it's Instagram or you know figure out some other platform and to just keep that work going of speaking to others uh yeah that's because you know I'm sure there's still definitely lots of history I can read but I think I would like to keep the momentum going on speaking to women yeah 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 I actually um I don't 
think I'm in the in the works for writing a book, but I thought that it would be really interesting even just um, to tell the stories of our women cheesemakers who kind of set the course for the American cheese yeah, for what we see now, because, yeah. you know, we do see these little snippets of like, okay, Mary Keene did this and like, right. you know, but where they're like full stories, like there's yeah, more than totally. just a paragraph's worth of yeah. work there. There's decades right, right. of stuff. And, oh yeah. um, so yeah, it's, that's always been kind of in the back of my mind that if I ever did write a book, that would be it yeah. is telling yeah. their stories fully. Right. Because exactly, because, you know, I like they're, yeah, they're just not out there. Uh, and the, yeah, like the women who helped like read boot like the American artisanal cheese like you know it's almost like where would we be without the work that they did I mean not even reboot we wouldn't even be eating goat cheese in the United States if it weren't for (laughs) some of these women like straight up (laughs) yeah Um, and that's what keeps me so excited about this industry too and I remember one of the first times I went into a meet the cheesemaker at ACS and I looked around and yeah the higher concentration of women in the room was just like so invigorating because I had never yeah. been a part of something like that before and right you know I grew up with two older brothers I don't have any like sisters or whatever and yeah. I always was wanted to be the cool girl that was like cool <laughs> with the dudes or whatever and then I realized no that's not where I want to be I want to be no. in this room filled with women Hell and yeah. also men that love women and want to be yeah. around hard-working women right? too so totally yeah you know I like and that was again, I heard it from men as well, but like that has just been so encouraging, just like hearing from others, like how, like, yeah, just like hearing how excited people were about my presentation. And like, you know, when I do share certain things, like just the feedback is incredible. And I, I feel like it's like paying that forward when I think of the women who like inspired me and gave me opportunities. Like, I just want to keep that going because yeah, it can seem a little like, and not phony, but like maybe a little like cheesy, but like sometimes I just like, I could just gush about all of the women in this community so much that like, you know, it, nothing makes me happier. Truly. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Well, I have three questions that I ask everybody at the end. Cool. So are you ready for this? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. What's your current cheese crush? Oh, I feel like this time of year, it really is always Grayson. Like, I lo- I don't even remember the first time I had that cheese, but it just, I love it so much. Uh, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have the most like sophisticated palate. So I, I relate a lot of my like connection to food with memories, which, I, you know, I think a lot of people do. And something about that just like reminds me something about Grayson just reminds me of my dad grilling flank steak in the summertime. And it's just like, it really, I could eat it all summer long. Yeah. That's not a surprise with that kind of like <laughs> beefy notes that it definitely oh God, has. So, so good. Yeah. I, I can fully yeah. see that. <laughs> um, what is your favorite cheese pairing? Cheese pairing. Ooh, you know, I am just always down for any kind of young pecorino and a stone fruit. I just like, for me, that's it's like the perfect breakfast, the perfect snack. You throw in a little more and it's like the perfect lunch or dinner. Um, yeah, that's my, it's my jam. Mm. I'm just a sucker for sheet milk across the board. Oh oh yeah. (laughs) It's my, 
my ride or die <laughs> is sheep's milk. <laughs> uh, and then last one, what is your top food memory? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be like a specific yeah. dish, but just like, you know, a time that you are around food with people or. Yeah. Um, let's see. Gosh, I feel like I have so many. Um, one, I guess like kind of consistent is, um, so, uh, like every winter, I think we usually, do we usually eat it during New Year's day dinner or Christmas dinner, but my mom makes, um, handmade minicotti. So she makes the, um, uh, the like little crepe and then hand fills it with, uh, ricotta and, and actually, oh, this was, um, I think this was like the memory I, I was having when I was watching uh, Dona Rosa in Oaxaca. She was, um, you know, portioning out her um, uh, requesan, so like ricotta. And the way she was like scraping the bowl reminded me of my mom getting all the like last bits of ricotta to fill the manicotti shells. And I just always love watching my mom make them. And I think that's like, I love watching women in the kitchen. And I think that's another thing that like ties in to all this. Yeah. Just like always seeing my mom in the kitchen is really special to me. Yeah. Oh, manicotti yeah. is like one of my favorites. Oh, God, it's the best. <laughs> I haven't made it in a while and I might need yeah, to bust it, that one out pretty right? soon. <laughs> oh, God, so good. Yeah, I think I've made it like once in my life. I usually, you know, nothing's ever as good as mom's. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> There's that. We're still in the middle of a Pacific Northwest heat wave, which yeah, is not yeah. that, you know, 80 something. Right, it's still not, not that big of a deal. Time to turn the oven on yet. Yeah. Not quite, not quite, but it's yeah. coming soon. It's coming soon. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me and I'm really thank excited you. to, um, great. to get to actually see the presentation or yeah. a, a version of it. Yes. Yes. Cool. Thanks for having me chat with you. This is exciting. Thank you, Mary, for pushing the conversation beyond short paragraphs and giving people the resources and context behind the rich history of women cheesemaking. I can't wait to see how this conversation evolves. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Musical credits to my husband, Ben Muha. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curd. Good curd.